Children, have you been excused yet? You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see some grown-ups who are sitting over there to make a tunnel. Sam, can I put you in charge of that? So that when the kids leave, they go through a tunnel of raised hands. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean a box tunnel or that kind of tunnel. Just a tunnel. Let them go through and catch the occasional one and encourage them as they go. So God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. We should live our lives that way. May the words that we speak, thoughts that we think, be acceptable to God. Well, hello. Handsome Howell, whoa. <laughs> Ruth and I and our two splendid sons came here 30 years ago and we were the original praise leaders at Cornerstone. We were here for 10 years and then God took us on different journeys and now we bless God that we're back. We've been in ministry. No, 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 no. Praise him. Don't praise me. Yes, that's right. We've been in vocational ministry for over 40 years. But it started much earlier than that. And I want to tell you something. Do you know that all of those who are called to ministry, I was telling Sam and Rhonda this week, it breaks my heart, of all of those who are called to ministry, whether they be youth pastors or teaching pastors or whatever their role as vocational pastors, only 10% retire as pastors. 90% fall away for different reasons. So I bless God that we made it to a retirement and I wouldn't have done that without my wife and I wouldn't have done that without my sons. The noisy one over there is my son, if you didn't know that. You know, we've had complaints for years. Oh, you're too loud, too loud. James and Ellie knows that. You're too loud, you're too loud. So I went to Chris and I said, Chris, can you just tone it down a bit? And he said, no, Dad, I can't. <laughs> it's the way I praise. It's the way I praise. You know, Randy Fife used to do that during, during our services. Where are you, Randy? <laughs> Randy? Are you up there? 
Do you know that running is an expression of praise? Oh, my goodness. I've had so many random thoughts this week. I had a random thought as I came to church this morning with Ruth and we were passing churches. Most of them said, morning worship, morning worship, morning worship. You know what most of them would have said, should have said? Morning tradition, morning tradition, morning tradition. If you go into most churches in North America today, you're going to see more of a product of man's tradition than the mandate of God. And I want to bless God that we are an exception here at Cornerstone Community Church. Jason, Johnny, these praises, I am so, so blessed that they have captured the heart of praise and exhibited every week. Bless God for that. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to know something. I do not have a monopoly on truth. And neither do you. Just think about that. We all think that we have a monopoly on truth. So what I want to tell you, I'm going to do my best today to give you my understanding of truth as it relates to what I'm going to talk about, which I've learned over more than 40 years in ministry and in study. I was called to minister. Where are you going, Jim? You know, he told me after 30 minutes this gets shut off. And he said, look, surely you can compress 40 years of study and ministry into 30 30 minutes? No one save Jesus has a monopoly on truth. You can go to websites and they say, we proudly offer you 150 translations of the Bible. That is awful, guys. That is nothing to brag about. Can you imagine that God is so fractured in his thinking that he has to have 150 translations? That is crazy. He spoke truth. And then mankind got involved and started translating and interpreting Do you know that the King James Bible, King James wanted a Bible named after himself. So he got 52 scholars to translate the original languages. 52, and he told them, I want you to translate to the best of your ability, but if there's any part of the translation that I don't like, I'm going to chop your head off. I'm not making that up, guys. Now, that would influence me if I was translating something from Hebrew. I would be very careful in what I said. And you see, that's what we deal with, guys. We deal, John Sims, let me give you an example. John Sims, great message last week on love. And he mentioned that there are four Greek languages for love. How could it be that the English language is so shallow 
that you can say, I love God and I love tacos. Think about that. I love my wife and children and I love the Indianapolis Colts. There's something wrong, guys, with our language. The language that we speak in this country is so shallow and misses so much of what God in his heart wanted us to know. Let me tell you how I first found that out. I lived in Wales. I'm Welsh. Came to this country in 1975, and I've never read a word in the English language, the Bible, that is. I'd always read and studied the Welsh language, the Welsh Bible, and I came to this country, and I was given an English Bible. Hallelujah. Started reading it. Guess what I found? Many, many differences. That shouldn't be, guys. That shouldn't be. God isn't double-minded. That's why I'm saying nobody has a monopoly on truth. We do our best to know what God meant when he said what he said, but understand that what we read tragically is translations, or translations of translations, maybe, ending up with over 150 different translations of the Word of God. Tragic. Tragic. So I'm going to do my best to just speak on what was the passion of my heart from the earliest days. I was saved as a child, preached my first message when I was 10 years of age, knew that there was a call in my life. And I had a very, very wise pastor uncle. And he said, there's an obvious call in your life, Howell, he said. But I want to tell you, do not respond to that call until you hear the moment. The timing has got to be right. Because if you miss the timing and enter or respond to that call too soon, there'll be a lot of harm that'll come. I think that's worth an amen. Yeah. So, food for thought this morning. If you've got sensitive toes, put them under the seat. No, no, no. My call came in 1980, in August. Turn that phone off. We were in Larry, not yeah, Larry Robbins' wife's funeral, and somebody got a phone call. It was funny because we made that person, I'm not going to name her, but we made her stand up and answer the phone and tell everybody I'm in the middle of a celebration service. Boy, I get these random thoughts. You have to excuse me. Anyway, August of 1980. Do you think God can talk to you when you're pumping gas? Can he talk to you when you're riding your mower? Can he talk to you when you're in the bathroom? You don't have to be in your closet. 
anywhere at any time. And he will speak to you. And he'll speak to you in different ways. And I have to tell you, there are only a handful of times that I've heard God speak real clearly and almost audibly to me. And this happened in August of 1980. I was 32 years of age. I was a teacher in Buffalo. I had taught in Wales. Then I met Ruth and we came to this country. Pumping gas in Buffalo. And as I was pumping gas, I looked across the street. Some of you have heard this story. Some of you more than once if you've been in our cell group for the last 30 years. Pumping gas, I looked across the street and there was this big playing field. There were two teams competing with one another. And they were dressed in their respective things and there were officials and there were people watching. And I turned to a guy who was pumping gas and I said to him, what are they playing? Now you see, I had never seen football played. I had never seen baseball played. I had never seen basketball played. So I thought this must be some American game that I have not seen. And the guy looked and said, oh, he said, it's a European game called rugby. Now, that was interesting because rugby is the national sport of Wales. They were playing a game that I, who knew the game intimately, couldn't recognize. And in that moment, pumping gas in Buffalo, New York, in August of 1980, God said, that's exactly what's going on among my children. I don't recognize what they do when they gather. That, that doesn't apply here. It rocked my world, guys. And then the next part rocked it even worse. He said, now go tell them. Went to my pastor, resigned my teaching position, ended ministry. He said, I want to walk with you through what God is teaching and for 40 years, what we've done is attempted, attempted to lead five different congregations. This was uh, one, two, three, fourth, I think, yes, fourth, into a more biblical expression of what God wants us to do when we gather together. We gather together, as we have this morning to praise him, and to worship him. Amen? And so I said, Lord, 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 where do I begin? And clearly, clearly he said, you begin in John chapter 9. 
Now, I don't know if you know, but there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Did you know that? 66 books, 1,198 or 89, one or the other. Why on earth would he tell me to go to John chapter 9? But I did, and I studied and read and read, just like John Sims had last week. Go to 1 Corinthians 13 and read it, and read it, and read it, and read it. Get some insight into God's love. And I went to John chapter 9. I'm not going to get to it today because I have to set stage for us to understand that. To understand praise and to understand worship. And notice that I don't say praise and worship. I don't say praise and worship. They're not synonyms, guys. Praise and worship, we should render that praise and worship. Certainly they are related, but they're not synonyms. You see, before the fall, there were three archangels in heaven. Gabriel and his host. And they are the messenger angels. Michael and the warring angels. And then an archangel named Lucifer. Do you know what his job was in heaven? He led the hosts of heaven in praise and worship. So where do you think... When he was thrown out because of his pride, he wanted to ascend to equality with God. And God said, sorry. And he and his host were thrown out. Where do you think he might seek revenge? If he can seek revenge by attacking us, God's children, in what he knows better than anyone, that's what he'll do. And he has robbed from the church through the centuries truth and understanding of praise and of worship. Now, there's more to Christian life than that, but that just happens to be the area of my call. Do you know that each of you has a call? It's called destiny. Johnny likes to come down, so I'm going to come down. Not quite as quickly as he does. I'm 73. You have a destiny. You have a destiny. There's a scroll in heaven with your name on it, brother. And when you get there, you'll get to open that scroll. And what a joy if in that scroll that you see that you fulfilled your destiny. It existed before you were born. And I hate to tell you guys, there'll be so many disappointed believers because they will have missed their destiny. I joke with people and say this, if when you die 
And on your headstone, all they can say is when you were born and when you died. If that's all they can say about you, then chances are you've missed your destiny. If you don't fulfill your destiny, you don't have much of a legacy. Let me say that again. If you've missed your destiny, you're not going to have much of a legacy. Think about that for just a minute. Guys, God has a destiny for each of his children. And he doesn't hide it from you. He hides it for you. Do you know there's nothing more than my grandchildren want to do than to hide for stuff? This week I was over there, oh, let's play hide and seek, Papa. They love to hide and they love to go looking for something. And God knew that. So your destiny, he hides it a little bit. Not from you, but that you might experience the thrill of finding it out for yourself. And ask him, if you've never asked him, say, God, what's this all about? Why am I here? What's my destiny? If you ask him, he'll answer. He's a gentleman. He doesn't ignore you. He'll answer. And then go to reliable brothers and sisters, seasoned brothers and sisters who are seasoned in the faith and say to them, can you help me? When you look at me, when you know about my giftings, when you know about my graces, what do you see in me? Help me find my destiny. It's really important, guys. Really, really important. That's a conversation we should have with our children. And tell them that God has a plan for them. And it is greater than video games. Boy, I get these random thoughts. Jim, if you shut my mic off, I will be ticked. I'm going to talk to you about praise and then I'm going to talk to you about worship and give you hopefully some insights. For you to understand praise and to understand worship, you have to understand that we were made in the image of God. God is a triune God. That means there are three parts of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, right? We know that. Three, but one. And you are a triune person in the image of God. Body, soul, and spirit. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that. But there are a lot of people among us who are new believers. So let me just take a minute to say that if the best illustration is an egg. An egg is an egg, right? Well, no, it's not quite as simple as that. There's the outer shell. Then there's the white stuff. Who knows the name of that? 
No. The albumin. Do I have to come to, from Wales to tell you that? The white of an egg is the albumin. And then there's the yolk. In those three parts, they constitute the egg. In God's three parts, it constitutes the Godhead. In your three parts of body, soul, and spirit, it constitutes who you are. Did I say that right? Okay, so we know what the body is. What's the soul? It's not the spirit. Did you hear me? It's not your spirit. It's not your spirit. It's very important that you understand that, guys. Your soul, they say there's three things, your mind, your will, and emotions. Yes, let's just think about that for a minute. Your mind, your, 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 your control center or your thoughts is here in your mind. That's why God says you better renew your mind. Your will is your chooser. The choices that you make, probably triggered by your mind, but it's your will that enacts your choices. And then your emotions. And people say, oh, don't get emotional. Don't get emotional in church. That is nonsense. Absolute, absolute nonsense, guys. When you encounter God, you'll be emotional. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I want to tell you, men, real men, cry. Don't surrender that to the women. Real men cry. Body, soul, spirit. So if you watch the Colts today, I don't know if they're playing. What is that? Is that a part of your body or your soul or your spirit? That's a soulish activity. Your interests, what you read, what you watch. Do you understand? Your character is all about your soul. So we have the body, we have the soul, and we have the spirit. Now the yolk of the egg is where life exists. There's no reproduction in an egg without a yolk. Did you know that? And there won't be any reproduction in the kingdom of God without our spirit being in alignment with he who is spirit. It's terribly important. Okay, now, so what is praise? Praise is a function of your flesh and your soul. Praise is a function of your flesh and your soul. It's orchestrated by your soul and demonstrated by your flesh. When you raise your hands, 
That was your will telling you to raise your hands. When David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. That was the spirit of David telling his soul, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, my soul. Are you guys listening? <laughs> oh, goodness. Thank you for letting me do this, guys. Some of this stuff I spoke 30 years ago in this very congregation. And it was wonderful to see what I spoke being received. And here we are 30 years later, enjoying the fruit of much of it. Not all of it, but much of it. Do you know that there used to be a tambourine ministry in this church? Do you know there used to be a dance ministry in this church? There used to be a flag ministry. There's Rhonda, there's Ruth, and others. Flags were flown in every service. Do you know there was a running ministry in this church? Randy Fife. He led that ministry. Okay. Praise is a choice that you make. Did you hear that? Praise is a choice that you make. You can either offer it or you can withhold it. God will never make you praise him. He doesn't need your praise. It's a choice that you make. This is what I want to tell you. You praise him. You praise him for what he's done for you. Worship, and we'll get to it later, you worship him for who he is. You praise him for what he's done. And I like to say this, if he never does anything else for you, he deserves the praise for the rest of your lifetime. If he does nothing else. <laughs> praise is the result of deep gratitude. Let that sink in. If there's no gratitude, it's phony praise. Did you hear that? If there's no gratitude, it's phony praise. It's hollow, meaningless praise. You can lift your hands all you want, guys, but if there's no gratitude for what he's done, we praise him for what he's done. Not for who he is. That's the arena of worship, which I will get to, maybe not today, because this is going to be shut off in three minutes. <laughs> it's repeated in Scripture. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, and then enter his courts with praise, and enter, this is my addition, enter his presence in worship. Without gratitude, there will be no genuine 
praise. I want you to hear that. So what is praise? This is going to shock you. But the word praise is not in the Hebrew. Listen. The word praise is not in the Hebrew or Greek scripture. What? It's in my Bible. Back to the English language. Back to the English language. I love God and I love tacos. There's something wrong, guys. You can't love God and love tacos equally. And yet we use that same word. That is nonsense. I love my wife. But I also love pizza. Guys, that is foolishness. And the English language is so shallow in the way it describes things that we miss so much of what God intended. Nowhere more than in the area of praise. The word praise, standalone word praise, is not in Scripture. In Scripture, it's always, but not rendered in English, it's always praise by. Praise by. Praise by what? Okay. Imagine that you were among that camp company of Israelites who were led out of bondage by Moses and they came through a miraculous division of the Red Sea, right? They get to the other side, they look back and they see their enemy drowning because God folded the Red Sea back. What does the Bible say? They praised him by Miriam, the sister of Moses, grabbing a tambourine and leading them in a celebration of halal. Halal. Say halal. Do you know what halal means? It means acting like a madman. That's the Hebrew, guys. You have to believe me. Raucous celebration. That's why Jewish weddings have a halal. They don't have a sedate little reception. They have a halal celebration. Just as they did after crossing the Red Sea. They weren't doing this. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Guys. Guys, thank you. So here's a guy named David, and he's bringing the ark into Jerusalem. What did he do? Stripped down to his whitey tighties and danced like a madman. So much so. That his wife was disgusted. And let me tell you something. When you exhibit extravagant praise, there'll be people around you who will get disgusted. 
count on it. We were on our way to Toronto. There was revival in Toronto. We were on our way. And we stopped at a church. You guys might have remembered it. We were at, stopped at a church in Columbus, a very well-known church with a very well-known pastor. And there was a lady in our group. When the praise began, she started doing her thing. And within minutes, an usher came and stood right next to her and glared at her. Ruth and I were ministering in Texas, Fort Worth. Nearby there was a church, and in that church there was a lady, the wife of the pastor, and she was on her deathbed, dying, and it was her prayer, God, let me die in church. Let me die in church. So they would walk her in. Later they wheeled her in. Later they brought her in on a gurney. It was a heart's desire to die in church. And there they were, praising God. And she popped up off the gurney and started running laps. That week... The pastor was fired for pulling such a stunt. Can God trust us with miracles? If there was a miracle that here this morning, it would be followed quickly by skepticism and doubt and unbelief. Do you know that? We were serving in a church near Joplin. Two weeks after we got there, the pastor left, not because of me, but he left to go to another. <laughs> Went to another church in Kansas City. Left me in charge. That was dangerous. So I went to the two secretaries and I said, I believe in praise, girls, I said. I believe in praise so much that when you answer the phone, I want you to offer praise. I want you to say, like Tim, good pastor, Jesus loves you. Or praise the Lord. Or this is the day the Lord has made. And they did. About three weeks later, they had a business meeting. Now, if you want to visit hell, go to a, go to a Baptist business meeting. I'm serious, guys. We don't like the way you're answering the phone. It's not professional. You've got to put a stop to that. And we had to put a stop to it. Can I tell you the best way to learn about praise? Turn your television on. Turn the volume off, watch a football game, or watch the Atlanta team winning. What did they win? World Series. And you will see biblical praise. 
Do you hear that? You will see the expressions of biblical praise which are in you and are in the people who are not children of God. And they have no problem with releasing it, but we have a terrible problem because my praise is private. Oh, God, forgive us for withholding the praise which is rightfully yours. Okay. Back to the shallow language. The word praise is not in Scripture. It's praise by. Let me give you a few examples. Praise by. Do this. Do this. Just humor me. Make a cup out of your hands. That's called toda. You praise by toda. Where you make a cup and catch all the blessings that fall from glory. Isn't that beautiful? What these guys do up here is called zamar. They praise by musical instruments. Our singers praise by tehila which is sung praise. Not a... Am I in trouble? You're bigger than I am. There's a little lady here. She's from Puerto Rico and she blesses me every Sunday because she praises with her flags. She knows who I'm talking to. And she praises by Shabbat. Shouts of praise. Shouts of praise. Do you think that when they were walking around Jericho and they were commanded to shout, did they shout, oh, what's your favorite cobbler? Guys, they were shouting extravagant praises and their arms were up in the air and they were screaming praise. And the trumpeters were trumpeting. Did you know? Well, I'm going to tell you about that some other time. Let me just throw in here. There were 38,000 Levites in David's temple. You know where you find all of this? It's a book that you never read. It's called Chronicles. Who on earth would read Chronicles? 38,000, and among them, 4,000 were the praisers. 4,000 praisers. Levitical praisers. And they were divided into 24 groups. Why do you think they were in 24 groups? So that they would have one hour a day to have the privilege of going in to the temple and take their turn praising God. Isn't that precious? And David would get up at night and he would say, Bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless God. He would go to the temple and encourage them in the night.
I went with John Sims one time to a basketball game in Brownstown. He said, go with me. Worst thing I ever did. <laughs> he was right here. His, his daughters were playing. One of them, I don't know which one. He was acting like a madman. I had to move away. Where's John Sims? What? Security? Yeah, we need security in this place, don't we? Guys, he was acting like a madman. Now, this isn't funny. Because he was screaming, carrying on, jumping up and down, shouting. And he was doing two things. He was encouraging the one team, and he was scaring the snot out of the opposition. <laughs> I want to tell you, when you praise God, it'll bless God. It'll scare the crap out of the devil. Do you hear me? The devil is allergic to praise. Say that. The devil is allergic to praise. The demons are allergic to praise. They flee. They flee. Do you think there are demons in this room today? No way. And you know what, guys? If the church got together, we could... We could... What we could do, if the church in Seymour would get together, we could expel all demonic forces out of the city. I want to show you something. Don't write your message notes when there are dogs around. Guys... There are concordances, very well established. There's a Strong's concordance and a Young's concordance. If you look at the definition of halal, to act like a madman in the presence of he who is praiseworthy. Did you hear that? So when we declare hallelujah, Halal, yeah, yeah, God. Halal, celebrate God. Act like a madman. I'm not asking you to act like a madman. You don't have to do what you're comfortable with, but I'm asking you to step it up just a, just a hair. Just a hair. Step the volume up. Just a hair. Those toes tap with both feet, not just one. One more. I guess I need to wind this down. I'd like to continue some other time if the elders will ask me back. The most common expression of physical praise governed by your mind, involving your emotions, and commanded by your will is yada. Say yada. Yada is raising your hands 
in praise of holy God. Now, if you look at the exact meaning of praise, it'll say that. But it says this, you raise your hands as if to hurl. I said that to Ruth and she said, I didn't know that barfing was an expression of praise. That's exactly what she said. Yada, you raise your hands. And I want you to think of this. You raise your hands to God. And you scare the devil. There's a brother that you know well. And he says, every time I do that, I hear explosions. A little boy named David. So embarrassed by his brothers and by the army. He said, I'll take him up. Nine foot giant. Now think of this. He got some stones, put them in his sling. And his hand went up. Think about it, right? And I bet you, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to kill that dude. I bet you what was in his heart, I'm going to give a God. A, a wave offering. A wave offering. And I'm going to swing this thing around. And I'm going to hurl it at that guy. Guys, the most dramatic things will happen during praise. The most dramatic things will happen during praise. Listen to me. But it counts on us to not withhold the praise that is rightfully his. So I've given you today some of the symphony, I like to use that word, symphony of praise. Some are not difficult, clapping, singing, playing instrument. Jason, would you bring your gang up here, please? Some are harder, karar, to dance. Halal, to just celebrate like a madman. I'm not asking you to celebrate like a madman or madwoman, but I'm asking you just take it up a notch. Just, just take it up a notch, and then in a month's time, take it up another notch, and then in... Take it up. Do you remember last week somebody led out with some flags and came forth with flags here? My wife popped up to follow her, and all of a sudden, this altar area was filled. Did you see that? It's called imitation. Imitation. One of the strongest influences, I was raised a teacher, is the power of imitation. So if you start, others will imitate. I remember years ago there was a father here, or grandfather. He's not here today. And he was flat on his face, right there. And next to him was his grandson. Didn't know what he was doing. He's just imitating his grandpa. Guys, people will imitate you as you release praise. Did you hear that? Symphony of praise.
But praise is an arsenal of weapons. Praise is an arsenal of weapons. When you offer praise, you are, you are now activating your arsenal of weapons. Against, it's a two-edged sword. One side of it blesses God. The other side slays the giants. All right. Here's your homework. John gave you homework last week. I don't know if any of you did it. First Corinthians chapter 13. If he's out there doing security, tell him he missed a good message. I'm kidding. I did that deliberately. No, I didn't. <laughs> homework. John chapter 9. Blow your mind. John chapter 9. Whoa. Blow your mind, guys. John chapter 9. Please, for me. Read John chapter 9. I'm told that if I'm asked back, I'll be back in two weeks. Next week, who's it going to be? Craig? Craig Keane? Don't miss him. Two weeks from today, we're going to go from the prelude of worship to an understanding of worship. Praise is the prelude. Worship is the objective. Praise is the prelude. Worship is the objective. Intimacy with God is the objective of all of this. Intimate with God. God is spirit. And those who worship him must. Do you know the word must is not used much in scripture? But it's used here. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him. And it depends on the way yours is rendered, from your spirit or in your spirit. And in truth. What does that mean? Truth. They would understand back then is a, an acting term where the actors would wear masks. And God is saying to us, take your mask off when you praise me. He says, I can see right through your mask. All the way to your spirit. All the way to your heart. Don't try to fool me, he says. I know it's been pretty random, random this morning, guys. I hope you got something out of it. You know what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank my wife because I wouldn't have made it without her, my two sons. And I have four <laughs> splendid grandsons that my son, there he is, the bearded one. They had to put him in a cage. He was so loud. He and Bree have made four wonderful sons for us. The grandsons. Guys, let's, let's let 
our ceiling be their floor in their understanding of praise. When they come in here, let us show them what praise is about. Can we do that? Love you guys.